kind of, I wanted to start this series last week, um, but the Lord kind of had a pre-lesson before I could start, and then someone didn't teach, and I said, that's okay, I'll take it. We can get this thing started. Amen. So let's just open with a word of prayer. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for health and strength in our bodies. Thank you for allowing us to be in your house today. Thank you for the beauty that comes, Lord, when we gather in your presence with our brothers and sisters. Thank you for the family of God. Thank you for strong families, Lord God, that you are creating, renewing, resetting, restoring. We thank you, Jesus. We bless your name. Amen. Amen. Um, I don't know if the graphic is up. Um, isn't she wonderful back there? She's just like, bam! <laughs> I want to thank my son for this graphic. I did not do this. Um, he was over here working yesterday, and I sweetly asked him if while he was here, he would you, Owen. He's teaching in another room. This is something that over a year ago, the Lord began to speak to me about and through me in um, ministering to people who are in different situations. Um, and I was like, I'm going to teach this series one day. I'm going to teach this series one day. Um, and then he kind of blessed, uh, blended it, laid something on my heart. Um, I am hopefully sweetly known in these here parts <laughs> um, as Mama Bear sometimes. I hope that certain forces know that term in a different way because I will become the ugly Mama Bear if the enemy comes knocking. Amen? Um, but just have a burden for our families to grow strong. Um, whether we have been in church our entire lives, or we're just coming to the Lord, or we've had a misstep, or whatever it may be, that whatever point we are at, that we can become and grow strong. And this later on will apply to our church families, um, our church family, but we're going to kind of break it down. And if you notice, where's God? Smack dab in the middle. And that's where he's got to be. That's where he's got to stay. Amen. That is his rightful place. Everything works out better when, when that is his place in our lives. Um, I want to talk about, so circles of influence is... Um, wrapped up in growing strong families. That's what God brought to me over a year ago, circles of influence. We all have them. Multiple circles of influence. But this circle is the most important. Um, we're going to talk about these circles in our lives, the priority that each must take, and the absolute chaos that can erupt when they are not prioritized correctly. 
number one. He's number one. Period. <laughs> Period. No negotiating, no cheat code, no ifs, ands, or buts, no getting around it. We can circle the pond a million times trying to make it all fit, all work out if we don't settle this. There are times when I pray for people, and the Lord will prompt me to say, let it be forever settled. Because if this isn't forever settled, we're just going to circle. And he is loving and patient and kind. And he will meet us. Here she comes. She's doing another lap. No, not talking about you, Nicole. <laughs> she was, that was perfect timing. She's like. <laughs> that was awesome. He's seen me. I can see you coming from a mile away, girl. Here she comes. Okay. I'm going to try to catch her this time. We all, we all have to revisit. He's center. He's number one. Other things, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Other things can get in the way of that, and they feel really important and really special and really awesome and really worth it. But if we get this out of order, we will not be effective. Alina Health is trying to call me in the middle of my lesson. Like, who is calling me? I have to check because it could be an emergency. They are not. Um, are you tired of circling? Are you tired and have to do stuff over and over and over? There are some things in my, I'm just, I was sharing with the team this morning um, we can serve the Lord for a long time and understand some things about him and think it's forever settled. But in the heat of the battle, suddenly it's not. We're not worthy, Lord. How can I get up and do that? Because I'm dealing with this and this and this. That's not coming from him. And it's not just coming from the enemy. The enemy just takes advantage of situations. I believe that 99% of the time, he's just taking advantage of situations that we create in our flesh. If I entertain that thought, you're not worthy, why are you starting this lesson? You need to deal with your own self. That's not the enemy. That's me judging myself. That's an area that needs to be surrendered. That's me judging myself. Now, when I entertain that, and if I let it come out my mouth, well, if I say to him, I don't even feel worthy to teach because, you know, this is coming up and I really just need to get this settled. What I'm saying is I need to be perfect before God can use me. Can I get there myself? So we need to get God back at the center. When I let those words come up out of my mouth, the enemy's like, oh, ho, 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 ho. let's play. Boom, 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 boom. Remember when you did this? Remember that? Remember that? Remember when you tried that and you utterly failed? You know what he does. He 
is the vine and we are the branches, then where does he need to be? Center. If in him we live and move and have our being, if we are his offspring, where does he need to be? Thank you. She's back in the answer. Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. The second half is beautiful, and I've heard that part of this verse most of my life as the central part of the verse. But to live is Christ has the same treasure in it. Amen? It should be in our heart and on our lips. To live is Christ. He is my Alpha and Omega. And he holds all of it that's in between. He's in every second of our lives. Having laid this foundation, this must be said. We as humans get it out of order all the time. And he gets us. <laughs> I'm so thankful that he gets me. Bless your heart. Here you come, daughter. I love you. Hold on. I'm so thankful for his love and his grace and his mercy and the joy that can come from acknowledging that even when we've got it all out of order, and we have twisted that graphic and, and distorted it in such incredible ways. He knows how to put it all back together. So first we must understand and fully embrace that he's number one. He must be our number one source, our go-to, our ride or die. If we are turning, if I'm turning to him first, I'm in trouble. He very plainly stated in a sermon years ago that I cannot be his go-to. I didn't have that revelation. I got that sitting in church, hearing it for the first time. It didn't go over well. We got in the car. I mean, I heard nothing after that. It was like... Straight up, Trisha Flesh took over. The anointing left the building. My building. Got in the car, and I was like, um, so it's a great sermon. Learned some things I didn't know before. Yeah, really? You know, he's not catching on. So I can't be your confidant. That, that was interesting to find out after 25 years of marriage. Okay. Did I have to learn that in the middle of church? See, we're human too. He was like, well, babe, I just, you know, I'm, you know, I just preach the word. Sometimes stuff comes out in the sermon. You know that sermon. You know, I'm just flowing in the anointing and stuff comes out. And, and you know, you know, and I'm like, I know, I know. And then I got to work the next day, and the Lord used Kim Welsh. 
to say, well, when we think about it, in a lot of ways we can't. Because, you know, well, there's God. You know, he, you know, I was like, yeah, I know. Like, I don't want to hear this right now. I'm enjoying my mad a little bit. We do that too. And we get stuck. She goes, but even, you know, in relationships, sometimes our husbands can't, like, they, they need a guy to talk to. They need another guy who gets them. And, and you know, kind of like, and I was like, don't be, don't be putting this in my face. Like, she was like, you know, like the relationship we have, and we, we have friends, you know, that we talk to about things, and it's easier to talk to them than it is our husbands. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that, the rest of that sermon was probably really good, <laughs> and I totally missed it because I went straight to, <clears throat> so I, then I had to go home and say, honey, I'm sorry. You're right. You can't be. I don't like that that I can't be your confidant all the time. I don't I don't like that, but I accept it. We can go around and we do it. I do it because it's easier to talk to a live human being sometimes because we need to see the expression. We need to see you're getting it. Well, of course he gets it, but we need to see it. He understands that need. It doesn't get us around that he still has to be the number one. If we go to him first, he'll line it up for us so we're not tripping over ourselves. Sometimes when we go to the people, we really make a bigger mess for ourselves. It's just the way it is. I love all of you. And I can feel the comfort of talking to you and sharing, but I had better have gone to him first. Because he'll probably guard what I say. He's good at that. You can share this probably shouldn't share this. Second, we must understand why. We've covered some already. Foundation is one of them. Matthew 7, 24 20 through 26. Why does he have to be our number one? And I know you're like, we know this. We know this stuff, do we? I know he was speaking to me a lot. Maybe this whole series is just for me, you guys. And you just get to ride along. It's completely possible. Matthew 7, 24 through 26, talking about foundation. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man 
who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Building on sand, I read this when I was studying, building on sand is easier. Building on worldly thoughts and pursuits is easier. Seems less costly, seems faster. Things could go wrong, but maybe they won't. We'll just keep reaching for the chief imitation for his peace, his love, his truth. I can just reset or reboot if things fall through. I'll just get a new one. I'll just start over. Unfortunately, this kind of thinking leaves a lot of residual chaos because it's never just us. When we get that out of order, all of those beautiful things in that experience the chaos. And then there's a lot of cleanup. So if we're building strong families, we're going to try to shore up this graphic in us. Because everything flows, can flow from him. And he does all things well. We, we watch it all the time. A situation that's absolutely chaotic and messed up. He can order it and bless it and put it back together in a way that we just stand with our mouths open and say, glory to God. And he's doing it quickly. He's doing quick works around here. Amen. So it's worth our time to keep that straight. Right? Chapter 7 in itself is an example of why he must be the center. It's full of instruction that if we hear it, it will save us from wasted time, wasted effort, and wasted relationships. We read in verses 28 and 29 that they too were astonished at his instruction. Wow. Chapter 7's a lot, you guys. They were astonished at his instruction and recognized the authority with which he spoke and that it was different than anything they had ever heard. If we have this straight, when we speak to the other rings that we'll get to, I don't know the date of when I speak next, but spouse will be next, so don't skip it. I'm going to skip, let's see, I'm going to skip number one. Number three, <laughs> I'm going to ask Pastor, when she teach it next? Can I see that graphic? I want to see if I want to show up or not. You know how we are. I want that one. I want that one. I got that one. That's how we are sometimes. Trust me, I'm going through it with you. When we have that in order, when we speak to those other places, there will be an authority in it. If we're standing in him and we're moving in him, and this is an order, we'll walk in authority. If it's out of order, not that Jesus would ever say, you're on your own, sister. 
But I think sometimes he says, I'll be here when you get there. You're determined that this is the way you're going to do this. You're determined this is the way you're going to go about this. I love you. I'm not going to be a part of that. So I will be here when you're there. I'll be right here. I got you. My grace is sufficient. I love you. But what you're moving in right now is not me. So I'm going to patiently wait. I'm not going to force you to listen. I'm going to patiently wait. And I will be here to help you clean it up. He helps us clean it up. It's like our kids. If we just, I remember Declan when he was little. Every bin in the room, I was trying to tell him, I was like, well, baby, you know, maybe you should get the animals out and play with them and the barn, but don't get the cars and the Lincoln logs and the, because cleanup's going to be hard. He did it anyway. He was like, it's okay, bud, you know. We're going to eat dinner. You know, after dinner, you need to start cleaning up. We got bath. We got bedtime. You know, all the things. And he was like, took a look around the room. He was like, Mom. And I was like, yeah. It's just. Now, he's quiet now, but he was very dramatic when he was younger. He could win, like, awards. Mom. It's so much, I just can't. Please help me. I said, remember when I spoke to you? And said, maybe just get a couple out. Put those away when you want to do something different. Yes, but I was just having so much fun. And my mommy hurts going, be strong, be strong, be strong. I said, okay, mommy will help, but you are going to clean this up. I'm not going to do it all for you. This is something you need to learn. So I will help, but you're still going to have to put the work in. <sighs> okay. Aren't we like that sometimes? Lord, I know I didn't listen, but it's just too much. Can you just clean it? Can you just snap your fingers? But what kind of a loving father would he be if he just went, whoosh. here you go, free to mess it up again? <laughs> no, he teaches us. You'll take it a little at a time. It'll be better. If you'll listen and follow my instructions. I really kind of do know what I'm talking about. But I'm here. Aren't you glad he's there? When we completely get it out of order, he's still there, but he's going to teach us, lead us, and guide us so we learn. Amen. John 15:5. Amen, baby, that's it. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Sorry, we can't. We'll crush it, bruise it, trample it. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Dead center. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Who wants to bear fruit? Amen. I want to be effective. Apart from me, you can do nothing. We can spin ourselves dizzy trying to do things for God from ourselves. But simply stated, and when I read this, it was like, oh, Jesus. Apart from him, we can do nothing of eternal significance. It pays to keep him right there in the center and dwell there. So number three, we know he needs to be number one. Hopefully we understand why. Number three, we need to make a plan to keep him there. And there are three questions we can ask ourselves. Am I coasting? Am I surviving? Or am I thriving? Now, number one, we have complete control of. Am I coasting? Existence. I'm existing. I know he's good. I know he's with me. I love him. But I'm just coasting. I haven't given up on thriving. I read this. It says, you haven't given up on thriving. You've just gotten comfortable where you are. I'll thrive someday. But this feels pretty good. I'm good. Well, I'd like you to fast more. I'd really like to spend more time with you talking about this, this, or this. I really need you to get number five at number five. That's not number five. Number two. I'd really like you to get the friend circle where it belongs. really get like you to get your calling in church where it belongs because that's all out of order right now but it's working for me we don't probably say those words maybe we do but our actions do. I, I'm good I'm I you know I want to thrive 
I've even asked to thrive. I know, you know, I know I had that conversation. I would love to thrive, but for right now, I really don't think I can handle, you know, the stuff that goes with running. So I'm going to stay right here. Yes. Amen. Amen. I'm just going to stay right here. I'll catch you on the next lap. It's heart-wrenching when we realize what we miss. And while I'm sure he would love to protect us from that reality, he lets us see it. And he lets us feel it. And he says, and I'm still here. And see, I want you to do it differently because I have more stuff. And I don't want you to miss it. So we're going to deal with this so you learn this stuff this time so that we can get to that stuff. If he does things in order, then he does things in order so you don't get to skip parts. Could you just fast forward, you know, could I just get, like, the notes on that class? Could I just get that little yellow cheat book? Could you just give me the highlights, Lord, so we can move on? No. We're going to go clean up the room. We're going to go to that place in there. We're going to go to the root because I know how to do that. In my timing, I know how to do that. And I need, and, and he's done that to me. Sitting alone, dealing with my dad's journey through Alzheimer's. And certain things that would come up suddenly struck a chord in me. It was kind of like lightning. And I just felt it go through me to this place. And it, my reaction erupted from that place. Places that I thought were settled. Forever settled. And he said, okay, at 40-something years old, we're going there. I'm going to go to the very heart of it, and I'm going to snatch that sucker out. It was uncomfortable. My Holy Ghost-filled, serving the Lord, pastoring a church with my husband self was ashamed how can that still be in there I've walked with you forever how can that be there because it is that part was never surrendered you moved past it you forgave but you didn't surrender that part. And so now you stand at a crossroads. You can surrender it to me. It really can happen that easily, you guys. You can surrender that to me. 
and I'm willing to take it, and we'll talk about it. And I will restore that place in you. But you have to be willing. It was hard. Like, how can I not want, like, because your pride was hurt a long time ago by your dad. And what was your fight or flight, what was flight became fight in you. It used to be, oh, I'll just. And that time it became. I'm talking with my mom in later years, sharing this with her. I said, Mom, the Lord just reached in and grabbed that thing by the root. And when I said yes, I'm ready. Get it. When I got past my pride, when I got past, when I was like, okay, when he said to me, there are things coming for you, and that's in the way. This is why. Why after all this time? That's why. Because there are things I need you to do, and this is smack dab in the middle. It's in my way, and I need it gone. So will you let me take it? I told her, I said, I told him, yes. I said, Mom, it was painful. She said, for a moment, yeah. She said, I saw that in you when it happened. My dad didn't say, you worthless little girl. It wasn't anything like that. He spoke to something and inferred that I could not do it, which communicated to me, you don't believe me. remember I'll spend the rest of my life proving that yes I can and my mom said I saw that in you and it broke my heart she said because I looked in your eyes and I saw that in you all right challenge accepted I said but it she said it wasn't like yes I, I can do this it was Hide and watch, buddy. I didn't realize at that age. At that age, all my understanding was, you don't think I can, but I totally can. And I'm going to prove it, because I want you to believe in me. But it became something else. And that's what happens. I didn't have the understanding at that age that I needed to immediately surrender that to God. I needed to immediately say, Lord, this hurts. It feels like my dad, you know, and I didn't even have them. I'm like, it would have been more like, my dad doesn't believe in me, and it really stinks. And so it probably would have been more like, so I need you to help me prove him wrong. But as we grow in him, the prayer should have been, that didn't feel good. I'm sure he didn't mean it the way it came out. I need to surrender this right now so that it cannot grow in me. So that it cannot take root in me. I don't want it. I don't want all that that brings. But when I did understand, I was like, here you go. 
And because I was willing to let him go for it and get that out of me, because I was willing to surrender it, I was then able to minister not only in that situation, not only in my, to my mom through that, but in losing my mom was again able to minister to other people around me from that moment of surrender. See, he knows. He just knows. And him at the center is just the best place. We are all, just repeat it. Ask yourself today out loud, am I coasting? We are all the delayed announcement of everything we are reading, watching, listening to, dwelling on, and spending time with. Choose wisely. And I'm going to make a statement. Even in the church. Even if someone is preaching a word. There are things that I have been listening to, and the Lord, I mean, it would come across, and if his spirit is in you, your neck kind of, and your spirit kind of does that, huh? Sometimes it's not even, it'll eventually get there. It will get to words and actions. But sometimes it's just what you're feeling coming. And like, or I remember there was a, a minister that I watched his preaching for years. And all of a sudden, stuff that started coming up, pictures, how they were presenting themselves all of a sudden, was like, Oh, oh, it grieved my heart. So I was like, Lord, my heart immediately was like, Lord, no, no, he's influenced so many people. This is not a good path. Like, this is becoming self. I'm just going to say it. You, you hear a minister start talking about branding himself. You better run. That's my brand. Right there. J-E-S-U-S. I don't need any other. Sometimes God will take you to places. I'm off my notes, but I'm in his notes. We'll take you through places and he's trying to teach you, understand that sometimes he will distance you from your normal crowd. Not that your normal crowd is bad. And not that we need to be like, well, God's doing something in me. And I just can't hang with y'all anymore. You know, he's, he's elevating me. I'll catch you when you get, you know, where I'm going. 
I ever hear that, you're going to see me coming after you with this stuff. Come here, honey. I got the oil. Let's get that, let's get that gone right now. Be careful. If you start, my mom had a way about this. If I went to someone's house and I came home, I came home one day and she was like, um, would you go? Now, I am from a generation that when my parents spoke, not because I was, well, with my dad, he proved it one time. I was playing checkers with my cousin and my cousin, Lord loves him, but he was a snake. And he cheated bad. And I knew if I left that checkerboard, he was going to win because he was going to cheat. So I was like, you know, I couldn't do it now if you paid me money. But I was down, you know how when you're a kid, you get down on your elbows and your backside's up in the air. And my dad had said, Trisha, go get blah, blah, blah. I don't even remember what it was. I was like, okay, in a minute. I'm sure my mom was like, your mind. Trisha, go get. I didn't even hear the belt. You know how you can hear the <laughs> I was so intent on that I was going to win. I was like, I know I'm going to pay for that somehow. Like I'm probably going to hear, Trisha Marie Smalley, get up. I was prepared. It was worth that risk. I was determined. And all of a sudden I felt That as he, <laughs> as he's putting his belt back on, he goes, "I believe I asked you to go get that." So there was that, but also I loved and respected my parents, and I did not want them to be disappointed. I mean, that was at thirteen, so I had a lot of life in between that I knew to listen. And at thirteen, I thought. It's worth the risk. It wasn't. I came home, and my mom said, da 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 I was like, but mom. And she was doing dishes. And she turned around to me. She said, come here. And I was like, what? I don't know if you've ever heard that when Bill Cosby used to be on, and he would, it was just a, come here, come here, come here. I knew that was like that kind of come here. The Lord does that sometimes. Come here. Here. I got over to her. And I didn't, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but I didn't have to be spanked when I was growing up. All I had to do is them look at me and be like, Trisha. And I was like, Ugh! like I was just in pieces. That's all you had to do. Like just even the thought that, oh, my gosh, you are not happy with me right now was, was enough. So I was not prepared for what came. 
she had me. I was like this far from her. I didn't even see her hand move. She was like, pop. And I went, you know, like when you suck in so much air, you can't get it to come back out because you don't know where it went. It did not go where it was supposed to go. You're like trying to find it so you can exhale and inhale again. And then she said, with her lip quivering, don't you ever speak to me like that again. And if you can't go and be with that person without bringing that junk home to this house, you won't go. That was the rule. If I came home with food, you don't go back. But her, same thing I did to my child, my, my child. Thing, same thing that I've done to my children. What's your name? But mom, every other kid gets it. What is your name? Owen Sanders. They hated that, by the way. Exactly. I'm not the mom of every other child. You won't bring that to me. And then I would follow with, because I brought you in this world, and I'll take you out. <laughs> that probably wasn't anointed either, but. We can laugh in church. It's okay. Okay, we should move on quickly. Okay. Am I surviving? Ask yourself, am I just surviving? Now, we will be in this place sometimes. If you haven't been in this place, you may be in this place sometimes. Where life is just happening. I was just, with my mom, I was just in that place. My entire family was. I'm speaking, in building strong families, you guys, I'm speaking from a place that's real. Six months of survival mode. Okay? We are now, we're okay. I don't want to cause anyone worry or like, oh my word, my pastor. <laughs> She's making fun of his shoes. <laughs> it's just when you go through something like that, and the way we were going through it, I'm flying out, I'm leaving my family, I'm getting back, trying to prepare to get ready to go again, coming back to, it. you know, that's never, just like I said, it affects all those things. So we are in a place of God restoring, putting things back, getting me and my body out of survival mode, and in to thrive, okay? And I knew he would, but during that time, I couldn't pray. I couldn't, and I knew he understood. Like I couldn't actively say, I need you. Like I couldn't say the words, because if I said the words, I would break down. And I didn't have the energy to break down. I needed to keep moving and taking care of my mom. And I felt him. And I felt him speak, uh-huh, and I'm going to carry you. 
of the faithfulness. I'm going to carry you. Because you made choices to do the hard things, it's going to carry you. I know what you need to say to me. I already know, and I know what you need, and I've got you. It's okay, because that old thing started to come in. You're not even praying. And he was like, ah, I've got you. I'm going to carry you, and there will be a release. There will be a moment that you will not be in survival. And it will come flowing out of you again. I've got That's why I said coasting is a choice. Survival mode sometimes is not a choice. It's just where we are. And we are held by him. And that's why the disciplines... And his position in our lives matters so much. Because when we hit survival mode, it's really going to show up who our center is. It will show. It's why I could hear him when he said, I need you not to react in your flesh. It was one of the most stern words that I've ever heard from him. I need you to stay in position. And I was like, I know, I know, I get it. You think you have every right to act in the flesh, but I need you in position on the board because your miracle is not where my target is. What you're asking for, the healing of your mother, is not, it's not my target. I couldn't even say it to you guys back then. That's not my target. I have other targets on the board, and if you don't stay in position, you're going to mess it up. That's completely possible. We can absolutely get in the way of our miracle because we can't stay in position. Well, I want to be over there. I want to be doing that. Nope, right there. Don't move. Plant your feet. Still. And I watched. I'm telling you, he had to help me because that was hard obedience. But I watched the result of it. And it was beautiful and powerful. And he showed me, and I learned a lesson I will never forget. When God puts you someplace and says, this is what I need from you. And you hear that word, stay put. No looking to the left or the right, eyes on me. Come on, eyes on me, eyes on me. Focus, 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 focus. Something is in the balance that we really need to get a hold of. Strong families built by him in this house. What's hanging in the balance? Not only our families. He's creating an atmosphere and creating something in this house that families are going to come in thinking, there is no way. There's no way God can come mess up. 
I'm just here because I tried everything else. There's no way he can do this. And you're going to line up and share your testimony of just how he did. And something's going to spring to life in a family who thought, we're done. He's never done. As long as we're breathing, he's never done. Folks, I have six minutes to get through Am I Thriving? So let's buckle up and motor. Am I thriving? Actually, I have to go back to surviving because I got off my notes. Am I surviving? That's maintenance. We're just doing what we have to to get through. We first make our habits, and then our habits make us. Just what I kind of spoke to. If before you're in survival mode, you are not lost and coasting, and you're making those, you're setting those disciplines. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. These will be our disciplines. I don't care if some other family is doing something else. God has called us to this. This is the way it's going to be. No looking to the, God has spoken that over our church. I can't even count the times. Do not look to the left or the right. Keep your eyes on me. That has to continue. Our habits and our disciplines that we establish will carry us. And they will make or break us. Am I thriving? Thriving is abundance. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall, say he shall. I thought I had one, guys. I'm always unprepared in this apartment. Sorry. What will he do? Direct me here. Trusting in God is a conscious. These are not my words. This is something I found when I was studying. Trusting in God is a conscious dependence on him. Much like leaning against a tree for support. The idea is reinforced here by the command to acknowledge him. day you want to come with me just for kicks no it's hey lord thanks for waking me up this morning where are we going and what are we doing it means to observe him and to get to know him in the process of living and in doing so a person finds time and time again that God smooths out paths. Doesn't mean we don't walk over a few rocks. But he has been faithful. He doesn't have to. But he has been faithful to me in showing me when it's done. Because he wants us to learn. See, 
That's a little bit of why. And I've heard people say, I've said it myself, when I get to heaven, I will fully understand what this is all about. When I get to heaven, I'm not going to care. We're not going to care. The things that weigh us and hurt us and feel like they are going to crush, tear us apart, we are not going to come back from it. Those things, and we're like, I'm going to have a thing or two to say to the Lord when I get up there. Well, you're probably not going to make it (laughs) with that one. You better save me some time, Lord, because you have some explaining to do. We're not going to care. We will not care. In the city where the lamb is the light, are we going to care? Why we lost that job? Are we going to care? No, we're not. Because he's, ah, just to think about it is awesome. We find in observing him that he responds and is present at the moment we need him to be. And he's always on time. His time, not ours, but he's always on time. Amen. We think, oh, now would be great, God. Now would be really good. Nope. Hold. Hold. And then when he does it, it's like, wow. That was so much better than what I, you know, than my plan. But we still try to help him, don't we? The very next time we're like, well, Lord, have you, you know, really, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did you know that? Do I know? Really? Really? Here is a question to determine whether you are coasting or thriving. And it is not nice. I was like, I don't want that one, Lord. I'm not putting that one in. Yes, you are. I was like, but but the lesson, Lord, like, like you did a good job, Lord. Like, it's, it's like the, what you gave me, like it's all wrapping up. Yeah, you're going to leave him with this. How much overlap is there between what I say is important to me and how I spent my attention over the last month? I know, kind of a wah, wah, wah. Weren't we just talking about thriving? I literally wrote in my notes, ouch. I know, I know. But he's teaching us. He's helping us grow. So when you're talking about keeping him center, go over why. This is why. He has to be number one. Look at yourself in the mirror when you get, he has to be number one, and this is why. And then ask yourself these questions. Talk about the disciplines. Your kids are not dumb. Your kids at a young age can understand. If you sit down and you talk to your kids and not at them. Look what God has done for our family. These are going to be our disciplines. We're going to be in church. It's going to be a priority. We're going to look at the things that may be keeping us out of church. 
And we're going to talk as a family. Is that really something that should be keeping us out of church? You will be blown away by the wisdom that God will speak through your kids. It's like, well, yes, honey, that's a, that's a very good answer. They do hear you when they're sitting in church. They are absorbing when they're sitting in church. He's probably speaking to them all the time. Let's wake up and go at this as a family. I'm getting to the I'm getting to the other circles. We cannot be effective in these other circles of influence if we do not get this one settled. It blesses all the rest. And as we said last week, and this one hit last week with me, we cannot rest until we make him our nest. If he's the center, if he's our source, if he's where we go first, if it all comes from him, then that needs to be forever settled. So let's stand and let's forever settle it. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you love us and you are constantly teaching us, Lord, and we want it to be forever settled that you are our number one, Lord, that in you is everything that we need. Lord, we're human. You understand our need to, to be able to look in the face of another human and be heard. But, Lord, you get us. You get us totally. And there is nothing that we could bring to you that you cannot hear and understand. You walked on this earth and lived your life as an example to us so we can look and say, he did it, and I'm his, so I can do it too, with the help of the Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are constant and mighty in our lives, and we thank you for what you have in store for this service. We bless your name. We make you number one, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Ha. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let that flow out of you. Out of the bellies shall flow rivers of living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Yes, let it flow, Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Break out and break forth, Jesus. Break out and break forth, Jesus. Ah. Yes, 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 yes. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. 
Hey, listen, some of this praise is so powerful because it's coming from a place of pain and agony and suffering. Release the praise and let the glory fall down on you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, don't be in a hurry. This is all about Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Ha! Huh? Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you don't enjoy this, you're going to be very uncomfortable in heaven. Because the Bible says for a long time we're going to gather around the throne and worship him. Cast our crowns at his feet. He's the only one that's worthy. He's the only one that's worthy. He's the only one that's worthy. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. Mm. If you have need of something today, would you just raise your hands where you're at? If you need something specifically from God, whether it be a healing, whether it be something in your family, in your job, in your spirit, in your mind, whatever it is, if you have something from him, raise your hands right now. In the name of Jesus, you see every hand that's raised, Lord. I'm asking you to step into their life right now. I come against the voice of the enemy. Lord, I silence him by the authority of your word and the power of your blood. And I release the clarity of the rhema word of God into their life. Speak to their sickness right now. Speak to their family right now. Speak to their emotions right now. Speak to their mind, God, and let the true king of liberty set up camp and set up shop. Set up, Lord, the kingdom of God in their spirit right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus, give me direction right now. Lead and guide this service right now. Praise God. This is as foundational as it gets. This is apostolic Pentecostal. The foundation of the apostolics or the apostles. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone from the church that was born on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Apostolic Pentecostal. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Just keep this attitude of praise in your spirit. You get into an atmosphere like this and your plans get jumbled. And so I'm just taking a moment. As one preacher said, I'm not really thirsty, but I'm thinking. Praise God. Today is Baptism Sunday. Let me put my glasses on so I can see. Is there anybody here that's come to be baptized today? Anybody that's come for the purpose of baptism? Well, praise God. Nobody today, that's okay. It's still Baptism Sunday. He's going to baptize us. He's going to immerse us. And uh, since there's, I, I'm preaching on the foundation. Oh, my Lord in heaven. Isn't it fun living for God? You never know what's going to happen. I felt led, and I shared this with you on New Year's Eve, that God wants us to go into a season probably through January and February and maybe spill over into the beginning of March, preaching on the foundations of the church. Doctrinal beliefs. The first one we, we dealt with a couple of weeks ago was the truth of the Word of God and why we place everything on the rule or the standard that's found here, proper biblical interpretation, process 
biblical interpretation. Praise God. And uh, then we talked a little bit last week about love, agape love, and what that means. And uh, I had prepared to speak on water baptism some today because I knew it was Baptism Sunday and uh, I know the, unless they've just walked in, there was three people that were supposed to be here that I invited this week to be baptized and they said they'd be here but they haven't come yet. So if they come, we'll still baptize. We'll baptize anybody anytime. It takes us 45 minutes or so to get the tank filled and we'll we'll just set it up and we'll meet you here and we'll baptize you. But we like giving certain Sundays an opportunity for people to be baptized. And so uh, I gave Elena about 30 different scriptures that we were going to use. But things change. And I know she's good enough to change with me. So just save this day, Elena, and when I go back, you've got it already set up. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Where to start? How about putting a message together on the fly? How about that? Let's start at verse number 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse number 24. It says, No man can serve two masters. I'll read that again just because I like it. No man can serve two masters. How many of you have two masters? If you do, you're failing in one of the areas because no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is another word for money. But I want you to notice something. When people preach this scripture, all too often they focus on the money part of it. But the, the, the crux of the matter is you can't have two masters. Whether it be money and something else, whether it be friends and God, whether it be family and friends, you can't serve two masters. For one, you're going to end up hating the one and loving the other or loving the one and hating the other. Now, I'm coming alongside what Pastor Trish taught this morning, not because I was planning, but just this, simply this. We have got to regain our focus on Jesus. This society has turned a blind eye to who Jesus really is. We've, got so, we've become so accustomed to having a bazillion things happening. If you looked at your calendars, our calendars get full of all kinds of things. But the presence of God has stepped into this house today to remind us, I need to be the number one thing. I need to be the central figure of your life. Because you can't serve more than one. Therefore, everybody say therefore. That is a key word here. It says, well, because you can't serve two masters, 
Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. That flies in the face of everything you hear in society. You go to Barnes and Noble, and they got all kinds of bookshelves for self-help. They've got all kinds of understandings of, uh, of how to improve your life. How to have, here's how you have a better life. Give it up. No, let me say that again because we don't like to hear that even in the church. If you want to have a better life, give your life up. Do what the Apostle Paul said and follow his example where he said, I am crucified with Christ. I have died on the cross. I have gone to Calvary every single morning and I've placed my agenda and I've placed my checkbook and I've placed my children and I've placed my job at the altar of sacrifice and said, God, I give it all to you so that I can live the life you want me to live. Because Paul goes on to say, I am crucified with Christ. Then he puts a neat word in there. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Is Christ living in you? If Christ is not living in you and through you, it's because you haven't been crucified with him yet. Pastor, are you getting off the foundations? No, no, no. This is the foundation of this church. Somebody accused me one time of being a Jesus-only believer. I said, I'm not a Jesus-only believer. I'm a Jesus-everything believer. He was the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Hebrews tells me that he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It says that if my life is built on the rock of Jesus, my life will be successful. I am a Jesus everything. I want him at my daytime. I want him in my evening. I want him in my family. I want him in my church. I want him in my finance. I want him in my hell. I want Jesus everywhere. Seek ye first. Haven't gotten there yet. I'm only on 25. Take no thought for your life. Take no thought what you're supposed to eat. Take no thought for what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Let me just make a, a bold statement. I'll close my eyes so you know I'm not thinking of anybody in particular. How much time have you spent on your clothes compared to how much you've spent on Christ? How much time have you spent on what you're going to eat? How, what kind of refrigerator you're going to stock than you've spent on Jesus? How many of you plan more for your retirement than you've planned for Jesus? How many of you have planned your homes and your structures and all of your toys and your hobbies more than you have for Jesus? Listen, there's nothing wrong with a good steak. There's nothing wrong with a good wardrobe. But when the steak and the wardrobe replace Jesus, it becomes an issue. And some of us would decrease our stress level if we could ever get to the place where we said, God, I don't know where it's going to come from, but all I know is I'm following you. And you said, I don't need to think about it. I don't need to worry about it because you've got me in your hand. Talk about de-stressor. 
Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? I'm telling you, this was a message on the fly. Trish said earlier in the message that sometimes it just kind of pours out of me and I don't even really know what I'm preaching. There's an anointing that has stepped into this house for this church for this moment. I cannot cower. I cannot step back. If you become offended by something that is said, check your spirit that God's not trying to get your attention. But my question to you today is you, are you, do you understand that you are the apple of his eye? You are more important to him than the parakeet. You are more important to him than the wren. You are more important to him than the hummingbird. And yet the hummingbird has never planted a seed. And the hummingbird has never figured out what color their feathers are going to be. And yet the Lord feeds them and takes care of them and makes them beautiful. So why are we so busy trying to do it on our own? Let's let Jesus do it. Verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? You can try all the platform shoes you want. You're still 5'3". And a quarter? I was born in 1970. I know what all those shoes were. I grew up in a church atmosphere where General Mills was the key to a hairstyle. Some of you don't know what that means, but you remember the old General Mills oatmeal boxes? They were about that tall. They were round. The ladies put them on their head and put their hair so their hair went way up here. You think I'm kidding. You go look at some pictures of 1970s. It went from up here to out here in the 80s. And I've seen some of your pictures, so I know. But it doesn't change your stature. You can't add anything. You can't can't eat the right food to grow. You're going to grow or you're not going to grow. You have no say in it. Jesus does. So why are we so worried about us? Can I tell you part of what God is doing at Spirit of Grace Church Yes, we are in the process of examining our foundation and and making sure our foundation is strong. But the reason why we need a strong foundation is because God is building the building fitly framed together, a piece here, a piece there, and what that piece may not, and I'll just tell you that God's favorite style HGTV is simply this, eclectic. He doesn't lock himself into one. There's going to be one room that some of us are going to walk into and we're going to be like, oh, no, not for me. 
And then there's going to be others that are going to walk into the library with me and all the books. And then there's going to look on the outside, and it's not going to just look like one simple house, but there's going to be a little bit of bright pink. There's going to be a little bit of browns. There's going to be some greens. There's going to be some blues. There's going to be some all, because we're all different, and the house he's putting together is going to look diverse. It's going to look different. It's going to look powerful. But the thing is, is the foundation is built on him, and when the house is built, it brings all of us in together. And see, here's the thing. Let me take it out of physical stature. Some of us in the church are so busy comparing ourselves with another church member that we fail to, re- re- to, to receive and or to realize the power and the anointing that is on me and on you. Listen, God didn't bless me with the gift of gab. I know I preach. By the way, thank you for my Christmas gift. It's up in my office. She gave me a beautiful crown of thorns. And I say that now because I may not catch her after. I don't have the gift of gab. Now, I've been around him a little bit. He'll talk to anybody, any stripe, any personality. He doesn't care. His house doesn't look like my house. If I start comparing myself to him and he starts comparing himself to me, we're going to get messed up. Because I've got to compare myself to him, and he's got to compare himself to him. And if we both are comparing ourselves to him, God's going to move us where we need to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Travis isn't like me. He and I are not not exactly alike. We're, we're Chiefs fans second after the purple. So he's, he's in good shape. God doesn't expect him to be me, and he doesn't expect me to be him. He expects us to be together so that we are interwoven together and made a beautiful house. So why are you worried about where you're at in Jesus? Why are you worried about what your neighbor is doing? Why are you worried about the the person? Listen, it's the worst thing that Christians do is compare themselves to somebody else. Because you don't have the same story. You don't have the same history. You don't have the same giftings. You don't have the same personality. Why do you think God uses different people? He uses different people because we all have to reach. We all have to express. We all have to be salt and light. And we all do it differently. And that's cool. Why take your thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So if God clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast like into the oven, think about it. Maybe it's not oven-like in Minnesota, But that grass is dead. It's buried under some stuff. But it'll come back. So if he will do that for the grass, 
how much more will he do it for you? No, no, no. You've got to catch this part because this is where some of us have been the last couple of weeks. Are you brown grass or green grass? Are you buried in snow or are you budding at the ground level? What season are you in? If he loves you more than he loves the grass of the field, while you may have to go through some seasons of death and browning and drying up and being damaged and being compressed and oppressed by the snow above you, my friend, just hold on because there's coming a day where the sun is going to shine, the snow is going to melt, the nutrients are going to feed, and you will become bright green again in the presence of God. Because he loves you. If he's going to do it for the grass, he's going to do it for you. What season are you in? And don't despise the season that you're in. Let the season take care of itself and let Jesus lead you. See, we don't like this passage of Scripture. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? But pastor, shouldn't we worry about putting food on the table? Isn't isn't it the, the responsibility of the parents to feed the kids and make sure there's food on the table? Yes. But who's your parent? If I am seeking him first, if my hand is in his hand, the refrigerator may not be stocked, but when it right comes right down to it, God will make a provision. There are too many testimonies where people have walked up to homes with a car full of groceries that said, I don't know why I'm doing this, but God asked me to drop this off. And they didn't have any more food to eat. And they didn't have any more milk to drink. But God showed up just in time. Listen, some of us wonder where God is and why he isn't showing up. Could it be that we have too much in the fridge? Could it mean that we have too much in the house? Have we put our plans together and we figured out how to survive and make it and sometimes even grow it on our own that we don't have need of him? Listen, he doesn't show up where we're not needed. He shows up when we sing like we sang today. Every day, God, I need you. Oh what we shall drink, what clothes we're going to wear. Then he really blasts them. He said, all these things, the Gentiles do it. That's what Gentiles, that's what pagans worry about. That's what unbelievers worry about. They worry about their 401Ks. They worry about the market. They worry about what's going on in Washington. They worry about what's going on in St. Paul. Listen, do I agree with what's going on in the society and in the politics? No, I I don't agree with them. I don't fear it, though. Because I serve the king that sets them up and puts them down. I serve the king that has it all in control. The whole world is in his hand. You either believe that or you don't. You either believe that or you worry about who gets elected. 
Don't misunderstand me. I think we should all vote, and I think we should all vote our conscience, and I think we should all vote based on the word of God. But the Bible, if I know the Bible to be true, and we established that two weeks ago, the Bible says he puts up, he puts down. He uses the leaders of the world for his purposes. My friend, even when they do evil, even when they do something that's against the word of God, God is just using them as a puppet to raise up the glory of the Lord. How do I know? Because the devil thought he had won when he took Jesus to the cross, but Jesus went to the cross on his own he laid down his life for us his own and when he did that he freed all kinds of mankind the defeat of satan happened when he thought he had his greatest victory and now he's powerless he is powerless how do i know because the bible says he's already been defeated He's already been stamped on. The Bible says the heel of the seed of Eve was going to bruise the head of the serpent. My friend, when Jesus stepped off the cross in the three days that he was not alive on this earth and he went into the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says he descended to hell and took the keys to hell, death, and the grave. He simply went and bruised his head. He defeated him. Do we have to deal with him sometimes? Yeah, but he's a powerless foe if we allow him. If we just keep our eyes on Jesus and live for Jesus, when we confront him, he will have to flee because we have already submitted ourselves to the Lord. Is he real? Yeah. Do we deal with him? Yeah. But he's just nothing. Here's the reason. Here's when we get in trouble with him, when we don't look at Jesus. When we take our eyes off of him. Oh, so why are we worried? For your heavenly father knoweth you have need of all that stuff. Verse 33, but seek ye first. Everybody say first. The kingdom of God is more important than Little League. The kingdom of God is more important than four-wheeling. It's more important than fishing. It's more important than golfing. It's more important than family time. It's more important than date night. It's more important than work. It's more important than my friends. It's more important than everything I have. He is my all and in all. He is who I need to seek first. Seek first the kingdom. I've preached this before, but there's too many Christians that have made Christ and the things of Christ a spoke on their wheel instead of the axle. Can I tell you, give me just a, oh man, it's only 1135. She must not have preached between songs today. Can I tell you why too many of us struggle to live for God? Because when we made him a spoke, 
when the wheel broke, we didn't have the axle to replace the wheel with. Because the axle became our job, our family, our kids. And she's going to be dealing with all of that in Sunday school when she teaches the next few months. But here's what happens. Is we break the wheel. And because Jesus and his kingdom is just a spoke of the wheel, the wheel comes off. And then the wheel that we put back on to move the vehicle is put onto the axle that we have declared to be the center point of our life. And if it's our career, then the tire that you put on, you're starting over from scratch to build the spokes. But if you have placed Jesus as the axle of your vehicle, when the tire falls off and your job was just a spoke and you lose your job, you can still go back to the axle. When you lose a family member or when a family member disowns you because you're a Jesus freak or whether you feel like you're all alone, you're not putting your wheel back on a family axle. You're putting your wheel back on Jesus <laughs> and he shows right up. And your vehicle gets rolling right again. Because we all have flat tires and bad tires from time to time. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then notice the promise. And all these things. All these things shall be added unto you. Listen, I'm going to try to say this as calm as I can. When your spouse is in the right position, when your children are in the right position, when your job is in the right position, when your calling is in the right position, when your friends are in the right position, when your heart is in the right position, when your checkbook is in the right position, when your calendar is in the right position, when Jesus is the center of all of those, it all gets added. Are you finding yourself with not enough time in the day to get something accomplished? Can I tell you a secret? It's a good chance you haven't put Jesus first. Because if you put Jesus first, he adds the time. It's amazing. I can wake up and have a laundry list of things to do, and none of them get done. Or they all get done half-baked. But when I get up and I focus on Jesus... At the end of the day, I look, number one, I'm less tired, less stressed, and I have accomplished more. It's just the way it is. I wore this for baptism. What did you think? Can, can I... I, I, I just need to say some things. I, I'm going to be preaching on the foundation of tithing and giving here in a couple of weeks, because I, not because the church is in trouble, but because we've got to be on the right foundation. But can I tell you something? Every testimony I've ever heard of somebody that didn't tithe that began to tithe 
they wonder how in the world the money stretched out to pay the bills. Those hands that are clapping throughout the congregation have proven it. And and I'm going to share all that with you in one of these next couple of weeks. But the principle is this. When I am hand in hand with him, he takes care of everything else. We think of that or we like to think of that on an abstract level. But when you get the call that your niece or nephew was just arrested, do you go into panic or do you go to Jesus? When you get a call that a loved one's just rushed to the emergency room, do you go into a panic or do you go into Jesus? When your tax bill comes up in the next couple of months, do you stress or do you go to Jesus? When you're unsure how to feed your children, do you panic or do you go to Jesus? See, in the abstract, it sounds like Jesus is number one. See? She knows. But that's what we do. We cheer from the sideline. Jesus is number one. Jesus is number one. Until the boss says you don't have a job. And then you say, oh, my God, what's going to happen to me? Well, if Jesus gave you the previous job, he's going to give you another job. Okay, half of you believe that. If you lose a friend... If you go to Jesus, you'll gain him as a friend and many, many, many more. If your natural family doesn't love you or accept you and rejects you, my friend, walk through the doors of the body of Christ and let us embrace you and bring us into the arms of his family. Because when you find Jesus first, all of these things shall be added unto you. He uses this word again, therefore. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow. Listen, some of your minds have been on Monday since Friday. Listen. We worry more about our tomorrows that we miss out on our todays. Today he wants to bless you. Today is the day of salvation. Today if you will lift up your head. Today, today, today. Listen, God is not restricted to time. He overwhelms all of time. Time is just a little entity in his pocket. He's not stuck. He's already been to your tomorrow. He's already been to your Tuesday. He's already operating in your Wednesday. If you will just trust him for today, he will give you today. And when you have today, you will be elevated into a dimension of his spirit 
where you don't have to worry about tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday because he's already there. Where we get in trouble is taking our hand out of his and saying, I've got this appointment, this appointment, this appointment, this appointment. I've got this to do for my boss. I've got this meeting at work. I've got to get the kids to this. I've got to get to that all before I can finally sit down and take a nap. But if I get up in the morning, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Just see what your evening is. For the morrow, tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Give me five more minutes. I'm just about, the chapter's over, so I'm just about done. We like to talk about faith. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But without faith, it is impossible to believe God, for he, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We like faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We like faith. What is faith? Faith is reaching into tomorrow and bringing back the blessings of God to today. Evidence of things hoped for. This is what I want to have happen. This is the substance that I'm bringing back. So I'm already living today as if I'm in tomorrow. So I've got a situation. It's racking my brain. It's beating up against me. By faith, I reach forward into my victory. I bring it back to my day, and I live as I'm already in my victory. Do you understand? But here's what we do. We reach into tomorrow and grab our problems and bring them back to today. And we say, we're coming up on the 1st of February, mortgage is due. So what? We got 10 days left. Listen, don't get me wrong. We have to pay our bills. We have to do some things, the schedule. But we don't have to worry about them if we're worried about him. <laughs> He's got it all in control. And when I can seek him first and I can obey him first, he's promised everything else. And then notice what he says to end this chapter. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, when you seek him first, he gives you that which is sufficient to deal with all the negative junk. When you seek him first, he gives you the tools and the instruments to come against anything that would come against you. He gives you all the hatred, the wrath, the emulation, the strife, the heresies, the drunkenness, the, all of the stuff that's listed in Scripture. He gives you the tool because you're hand in hand with him and you've sought him first and he gives you the spirit that resides in you. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. It's sufficient enough. To seek him first. Seek him first. 
sorry, honey, can't talk about the bills right now. I haven't talked to him about it yet. Mom and Dad, I'm sorry. I, I, I know things are rocky and rough right now, but I, I just need to focus on Jesus for a second so that I respond in wisdom. Parent, take a step back and don't rush into things and say, I got to seek him first because then I can deal with this right. Listen, I don't want to pat myself on the back, so don't misunderstand me. But Trish is probably the best uh, person that can, can read into this. This is how I have attempted to live our life. And when I've gotten us into messes as a family, it's because I've got my eyes off him and I've got my eyes on something else. And then I try to step into where we're trying to operate as a family. And because I haven't taken the right amount of time to focus on him first, I'm bringing in all other kinds of ideas. And then it blows up. And then we have our discussions. And then we walk through it. And then we have our apologies. And then we have to relearn how to do what we were supposed to do. Where if we would have just said, time out. Jesus, I'm all yours. You deal with it. I am not a man of confrontation. I've never enjoyed it. I've never liked it. When I get pushed to confront something, I will. But it's a big push. But here's what I've always done. God, it's not about me. You'll take care of it in the end. And there's some things biblically that you just need to confront. But if you're looking at Jesus, the things that you need to confront become much more clear than the things that you just let him confront. Hey, over and over and over, God said, stand still. The battle is not yours. It's mine. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And we go, but God, I can shoot a gun. God, I can march. God, I can ride a chariot. God, I can throw a spear. You may be able to do all of that, but I don't have that as for your purpose today. Let me deal with it. You touch your neighbor and love them as yourself. But God, I wanted to fight. God, I want to box. I want to fight. I want to wrestle. I want to be active. I want you to be still. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore. Don't fight. Don't wrestle. Just stand there. 
with all of the armor of God. Why does he say that? Because all of the armor of God is defensive. And let him do the battle and see what happens. Your job situation will change. Your family situation will change. Your friend situation will change. Your financial situation will change. Your calendar situation will change if you look to him. I invite you to stand. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run this race in patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Let me ask you, was the cross a thing of joy? I don't think so. So what's that talking about? I believe it's this joy, that as he originates or authors the faith in each one of us, he now has a piece of art that he begins to mold and to shape. And as long as you keep looking at him, he's not only going to start something in you, he's going to finish it in you. And the joy of the finished product is going to bring a smile to his face. Uh, you are his craftsmanship. You are his artistry, and he weaves us all together in a tapestry of beautiful art that is priceless. I want us to do two things. I want us to be honest enough that if you're here today and for whatever reason, the reason basically being you're human, but for whatever reason, you've gotten your eyes off of Jesus and you've been worried about all kinds of life situations, would you just step out of your seat and make your way across the front of this altar? Very quickly, anybody, it's, this isn't sin, this isn't your messed up, this is your, your focus has just been off a little. And you've gotten consumed with the worries and the cares and the life of this, uh, of the life in this world. Yeah, yeah, all across the front. Stretch out all the way around to my right and all the way around to my left so everybody has a spot. One last call. If you're a guest here, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm crazy. I'm weird. But Jesus is worth it all. And if you came here looking for something to fill your soul, to fill that emptiness, to be able to change the, the trajectory of your life, Jesus is the only one that can. So I invite you as well. Look at this, all the way across. Now, now here's what's exciting, is in just a moment we're going to pray for them. And what we're really doing 
is we're resetting the compass. <laughs> and can you imagine what's going to happen in the heavenly realms this week when we're all looking to Jesus? Here's what I'd like us to do. For those of you that are standing around the, the altar in your own way, whether it be raising your hand, or I know some of you can't raise your hands at this time, but if raise your heart, raise your mind, and just begin to repent for taking your eyes off him. Lord, I'm sorry. I've let the things of this world, the circumstances of my life, I've let the weeds grow up around me. Lord, I know I actually know better, Lord, that if I, my mind is right and my heart's right with you, everything's good. But I've just, it's just kind of overgrown and overwhelmed me. And today is just a reminder that I need to, to, to cut it out and I need to, to weed around my plant. And Lord, I'm asking your forgiveness. I repent of my shortcoming. I repent of allowing the wheats and the tares to rise up around the, the plant that you've given me. And so now, Jesus. Once again, I turn everything over to you. I release everything into your hand. I release everything into your dimension. I release everything, God, from my heart, soul, mind, and strength into the hands of the one that started working in me and the one that's going to finish working in me. In the name of Jesus. And when you've done that, begin to worship. I'm asking those that have faith to come around these folks Lay your hand on their shoulder. Begin to support them in prayer. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We love you. Hallelujah. Jesus in your name right now. Jesus in your name right now. Jesus in your name right now. Ha, Lord, let it be clear. Let it be clear right now in Jesus' name. Jesus, you are the center point of my life. You are the center of my joy. You are the center of my peace. In the name of Jesus, let divine strength come in. Let divine anointing rest. Lord Jesus, touch Cheryl right now. Lord, renew the joy. Lord, remove the fatigue and the weariness. And allow, God, your spirit to saturate and consume. Even now, oh God. Jesus, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, I release Jesus into her. I release Jesus right now. I release the embrace of the master right now. I, I release the Lord right now. Jesus, you are king of kings. From the top of her head to the sole of her feet, consume her in the anointing. Baptize her in your anointing and your spirit. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Ha ta da da ba ha. 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 Ha ta da da ba ha
Let her sense it. Let her feel it. Lord, touch Kim right now, God, by the authority of the word of God. Lord, Chelsea and John and Dwayne, Lord, let the glory of the Lord fall in this house. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yeah, God's doing some amazing things right here. God's doing some amazing things right down here. Don't be quick to leave. Just let God soak you. Let God saturate you. Let God embrace you. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of Jesus. Glory to the Lamb. Jesus. 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 Jesus has sent his challenge to us. Seek first. Seek first. Ah, Jesus. Just before we leave today, and if you're seeking the Lord around this altar, you stay as long as you need to. Seek him first. Seek him. I need you. Ah, you're like honey on my lips, a symphony in my ears. Oh, you're everything. You're everything to me, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you need to go, God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday and Thursday. But I encourage you to stick around a little bit and let God just fill us up. Just fill us up.